This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to yet another installment of the show. This episode features a chat with Tim Gauchi, who is in the Melbourne-based outfit Primitive. The catalyst for the chat with Tim is due to the launch of a new EP from the lads titled with the rats and the snakes and it'll see the light of day on august 12th 2022 soon you'll listen to the chat but before we get there i have selected the title track for your listening pleasure it's an absolute banger something else i want to add about the conversation though yes of course we talk about the ep but it's also notable because we dive into some chit chat about metallica it turns out we've both got some points of view we don't always see the band from the same perspective but you know it's always worth having a bit of a talk about the biggest band on the planet with someone who knows their shit and tim certainly does so here's the ep's title track with the rats and the snakes and once it's done we'll dive into the conversation enjoy Away. 
How's the promotion in general been for the band? How have you found it? It's been great. I mean, look, we're uh, we're a local band. I would consider ourselves ourself as a local band, but um, the, it, there is a big difference when you do um, uh, set yourself uh, goals and you do strive yourself to be uh, not a local band. So I, I like to have the attitude of making sure we're presented as professionally as possible and not just some pack of rat bags, which, which we are, there's no, there's no data, but we, we like to do it in a, in the best way possible. It's just making the effort. So, um, it's been, it's been a noticeably, um, increased, um, recognition with, with this EP. We've been a band for, uh, we can say, well, I say we're, we've been a band for about six years, um, to the, to the public knowledge. So 2017 or 2016 was our first show. 2017 was our first EP did a single in 2019 and then the obvious thing happened when we're all at home. And I know for me personally, I wasn't in no creative space, but to come out of it now and, and have some songs and, and people have really grabbed onto that and really enjoyed the track that we've got out. And it's been great. It's, it's for, for what, for what our local sort of status is. I, I think I can speak for all of us in the band that it's been a, it's been somewhat overwhelming, um, you know, because you don't know what to expect and, and, you don't necessarily do it for the praise or for, or for whatever, but you just want to do it for yourself. So, but mm. to for people to really go, this is great. This is a step up from the first one. I've heard a lot of that. And that's, that's a really, that's a really nice compliment because it's goes to show all the effort that's been put into it. And, and people are noticing what, what, what the intention is in it. So it's been great. Yeah, I don't sweet. know if question, but I just rambled on there, but no, it's, it's been, no, it's good. Ramble on. <laughs> it's all good. You sort of answered one of the questions I had later on. So I'm going to save it and we'll see if we'll see how we go. But sure. the, the point, the point I'd like to make with uh, the rats and the snakes and which is the name of the new EP. Look, look for my ears, you combine uh, extreme metal tendencies with metal metalcore flavored groups like you know your triviums that sort of thing with a dash of uh, no bullshit heavy acts like Lamb of God. Am I on point there? Do you think? Absolutely, it puts a smile on my face just to hear that. Uh, I think cool. it's been um, pretty evident in previous releases and pretty evident within our sort of internal camp amongst um, amongst the the man members that um, the band members that Lamb of God, Trivium, especially those two bands are, are huge influences to us and. And we like to we like to make sure that is known, um, and and to get those vibes of, you know, we get uh, black and thrash a lot. We get thrash, we get heavy metal, we get like a Pantera vibe as well. So there's mm. a lot of different things that we get, but um, it's great to it's great to hear, yeah, that that Trivium Lamb of God style and and, and putting our own sort of spin on it um, uh, vocally and with the riffs and and with the drumming especially as well. It's, it's uh, yeah, great great mm. to hear those those resemblance or reference points what's well, interesting too because the the i had a chat to joe haley a couple of interviews ago and i was listening to a lot of psychroptic and your album was almost the next one after that there was one or two in between but there was a lot of similarities i've got to say so i think that's where i find the the extreme metal side of things come from so you've clearly got your ear to the ground with some of the extreme you know the genuinely no bullshit extreme stuff as well psychroptic especially especially for the song that just came out that pre-chorus mm. that we've got i felt was very uh, was very Joe. Uh, I, mm. I that was that was inspirational because I mean I was listening to um, Frank and I, the, the other guitarist, where sort of this, the the riffs sort of uh, begin or the songs begin, um, at least uh, in this stage. Um, I felt that was like I was like oh yeah that's our 
you know, you kind of, you find little reference points. I'm like, that's our, like our psychroptic riff. Well, that's, that's what, that's the part that I reference nice. a lot. Well, the band I reference a lot. So yeah, exactly right. I think those guys, especially um, it's just, yeah. Take no prisoners attitude type deal. It's just riffs and it's relentless. And there's a lot of that, that, that we incorporate or we like to incorporate our, our own version of it. Mm. I never thought I'd see a day where extreme metal was so broadly accepted, you know that. And to hear that it's it's just becoming part of the mix of what a lot of heavy metal bands are doing. I, was, I had a chat to the bassist from Conjurer recently, and they're a band that are taking it right up to the line before you start to sound like Portal and those noise acts. Mm. And they're playing on the biggest stage like Varken and, and you know, the European festivals who I always forget the name of. Yeah, And you guys are doing something similar. I think it's, at least from my analysis or for just from my uh, being a, a punter or a fan of heavy music and Australian bands especially, it's, I wouldn't say a trend, but it it's just like it's the norm to be the heaviest as possible um, and, and that real wall of sound type sort of crush production type deal. And I say that in the best way possible. It's like it's cool to be abrasive and heavy and, and relentless. I think we don't have really... We've got a bit of it, but I don't think it's as intense as as bands out there right now. But for that to be the norm at the moment, um, I think it's great because it leads to everyone else to do their own thing, and mm. it's it's opening the world and being more like the heavy the real heavy thing is more accessible, which I find amazing. Mm. Just out of curiosity, how did you hook up with with Dicey and I suppose Renault as well? Um, it was. I think it was just it was just through our uh, research of wanting to get a, some promotion out and, and wanting to really um, make sure people hear this one and 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 get our name out there. So I think Dicey has been Dicey has been obviously been a, a veteran in the industry um, in Australia for for a while and and he's well known and I just saw the the cult etiquette sort of thing on online mm -hmm. and said oh yeah these are cool guys and they match with the bands that we want to play with or, or, or have done some stuff before being you know psychroptic so um yeah it was really just research and, and we found them to be the most relevant to our sound um, and yeah getting getting the right people to listen to it yeah it's a smart way of framing it the way you just did then going with the people that are like the bands that you want to play that are already in with the bands you want to play with i don't know why more people don't do that it's um yeah i i think there's there's a lot of there's obviously as we know there's a lot of sub uh, genres in metal so it's kind of finding finding your your way through it all pretty early i think is a good thing um and just knowing where you knowing where you fit or at least where you want to be, um, I think, and, and finding those paths would be the most effective way of getting your name out there. If we did it with someone who ideally uh, or, or primarily dealt in the pop world, I don't think we'd, <laughs> we would get as far as if we dealt with someone like Dicey. So um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with the, with the choice that we made there. And he's made it very easy for us and, and gotten on to talk to like-minded people like yourself. So it's, um, yeah. it's, been a great experience it's the first sort of real run of interviews and things that the band has experienced so it's it's been fun to do so yeah we could yeah yeah you certainly you certainly got it going on from the, the quality of sound perspective and the songwriting so he, here's the question that i think you might have answered earlier but i'm going to ask it which sure. is that i'm not familiar with your back catalog so i haven't i did listen to a couple of the songs on uh i think it was youtube or spotify this morning um but in your opinion, in what ways has your sound evolved from, say, the last release to what you're doing here with, with the Rats and the Snakes? 
I just think it's a real, um, at least for me personally, because it can be different for, you know, all of us in the band. It could be just, you know, someone wrote it and it was cool and, and that was it. But for me, I probably have a tendency of overthinking. Uh, and I really, really looked at what, what we did last time and um, wanted to just really pick at what was the, the strengths in it. Um, and what I found in the first one, which was, I think a really great first EP. Uh, there's no, there's no, I'm not sort of complaining about what we've done, but you can definitely see like, oh yeah, I probably, probably would want to do some shorter songs or trim the fat or, or uh, you know, um, make sure the vocal lines were a little more, um, you know, and maybe a little more interesting to the ear and really honing on what, what, what we want to do vocally. So mm. I guess the difference between the two is, is I guess the songs are shorter, um, I don't think there's a real loss of the amount of riffs. Um, the vocals are different in the amount of layering they have, but different voices that I found within the studio. Big shout out to Chris Themelko at Monolith Studios who uh, recorded um, these tracks and, and really helped me nice. yep. find different different voices. Before it was kind of just like one pitch um, sort of thing, but I really wanted to make sure there was, there was some variance. And I almost found like a couple of new voices that – I'll, I'll move on with, uh, with future recordings and, and live stuff. So, um, it's definitely, I think, sorry, in a nutshell, it's just a, a more mature version of what we've done. Um, we've had the songs for a little bit longer so we can, I could sit with them and go, Oh yeah, that's cool. Or, you know, this is too long or too short, or I don't think we need this, or we need something like this. So yeah, it's just assessing what we did. Um, and, and just really condensing it to a more cohesive project. I can hear that, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Chris too because I've interviewed him before, and uh, he's a very congenial fellow. So, and 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 I've got to compliment you both because it, it might be one of the best. He might you both because obviously it's a collaboration when you do these things, but you might have pulled one of the best local band sounds that I've ever heard. Everything. The, the compliment here is that you've gone and you've gone into extreme metal territory, but I can hear everything, and that's over iPhone speakers because I've got kids, right? And in the mornings it's bedlam, but I have it on in the background, and they just say, "Shut up, Dad, turn it off," you know. But I'm like, look, I, I have to put it on in order to see which songs jump out. That's yeah. the way I do it because if it can jump out whilst I'm that busy, great. But you know, you you and Chris make a, a bloody good team. Absolutely. And I got to give credit to Tom Cadden as well at Violent Sound. He did the mixing and got the got the tones and then made sure there was that real punch and a real real low end and tightness in the guitars. So there is that aspect as well that we we want to thank him for and give him a shout out as well because I think he smashed it. But in that recording process, at least for me, I know it can be somewhat daunting for vocals because I'm not considered I like I don't call myself a vocalist or, or a singer. It was kind of like I'll play the riffs and and we need someone to yell some words over it. So I've done some some vo some uh, versions of vocals, but um, you know I'm really still honing in on, on what I want to sound like. Um, mm. And Chris Chris has helped helped since the first release since 2017. Of um, you know, let's do this, let's do that, let's do that, and I'll I'll sometimes be stubborn and I'll say no, but and then I'll go all right, cool, and then it ends up being mad, like it ends up being sick, and I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. Those in the spot moments in, in, when you're recording mm -hmm. are very important, and and Chris very very much helps keeping though that that spirit um, without over analyzing and just going, yeah, that's cool, do that, and I'll just kind of be worried, and then it's there. 
Yeah, cool. Yeah. What, what's the scene like in Melbourne? A lot of the metal bands that I've, I've spoken to over the past five years that I've been doing the show come from the, I'm just going to pick a few names, Riley Strong, Andrew Hudson, uh, you mentioned Chris, there's a there's a bunch of others, you know, the guys in the gloom in the corner. Do you all sort of meet up occasionally in a pub and sort of, you know, share war stories or or do you, do you sort of exchange messages, messages and comments over Messenger? I know Riley, I know Hudson, I know Chris. Uh, I don't think I've met any of the guys in Gloom uh, as of yet. We saw them. Uh, the band went and go, uh, went and saw Fit for an Autopsy uh, and saw Gloom support. I can't say there's been many social uh, events in where we've gone and, and caught up at the pub, but um, you know we've we've hung out at shows and, and had a chat. But you know you know each other online and, and you talk here yeah. and 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 whatnot. Especially um, the the last couple of years, it's been pretty. Uh, obviously stuck at home so <laughs> haven't had that full chance yet but uh but yeah every time we catch up it's always it's always a good talk uh, me and Hudson uh, me and Hudson always have a nice cuddle and and hello and as I do with Chris so it's a it's a metal's a, metal's absolutely great in Melbourne in regards to there's so much talent uh and there are so many good people in it and everyone is just here to have a good time and play some riffs so you know there's no there's no room for anything else other than that other than that yeah, it's a shame about Desecrator, but I suppose then Hudson can focus on uh, on Harlot. Harlot, and, uh, yeah. Harlot are equal to Desecrator, in my opinion, as a band. They're both amazing bands, and they do they have their strengths, and and they do it very well. Um, Desecrator is a household name in thrash, and mm. uh, and I, I wish them all the best. Riley Riley knows Riley's. I think got a. I don't I don't talk to Riley too much, but I. I I think we've got the same Hetfield fanboy isms going on. So oh, yes. I'm not going to, you know, I, I can't, I can't knock a dude for, for wanting to be, um, wanting to possess that same sort of presence. And, you know, I'm, I'm with him. He's just taller than me. He's got, you know, he's, yeah. so he's got to be a, a tall guy and I'm not. So he's got that over me. He's got that, that leering menace about him in the skull, hasn't he? He just looks like yeah. he should be playing thrash metal. Shouldn't yeah. He? Yeah. He's perfect for it. <laughs> Just about the EP again. Then, what would you say if you were forced to pick a song? What's your favourite cut? Right now, it's uh, it's a song called "God Is Beneath Us." Uh, that'll be uh, that'll be a single later down the track. Um, that's the absolute sort of aggressive banger at the moment. Um, Rats was for for a, quite a while, considering we did the video and it was the first single. But yeah, um, that's a really I think that's a perfect that's perfectly encompassing on what we've done and what we want to do and. It's a good song, and it's a it's a good it's a good uh, uh, scene setter. But God is beneath us is is a great sort of it's a lot thra it's very thrashy, very heavy, good groove middle section. Frankie does a great solo. The drums on it are amazing. Everything on it is just like it's hard to pinpoint the the, the weak bits. So I'm very excited for um for that to come out. I've had a couple of conversations with people over the uh, past eighteen months now about this. Really, since the pandemic kicked in and we couldn't play live. Was, and I'm a, obviously I'm a musician with this stuff here behind me. I mean, I've only just started playing again. Can you believe it? Just because they DJs and bloody duos sort of started taking up all of the the stages that bands were were uh, typically allocated. But um, how do you? What are your thoughts? Is probably the best way of framing it about the idea of albums and the traditional way you release things versus content and i know the guy from spotify has talked a lot about that and i in particular think this affects bands that are yet to be really established if you know what i'm saying so do, do you guys talk about the idea of content because i think you've got a very strong content game by the way i think you're on on point with that but is that the focus do you think or do you still think in terms of albums 
Um, thank you for that because that's it's a conscious effort to make the visuals as cohesive as the music. So I appreciate you saying that. In regards to uh, the, in regards to to visuals or in regards to content, as you say. Um, it's definitely a necessity. I don't know if it's a welcome necessity. Um, I would much rather pref- uh, rely or sorry, I would much rather uh, put my energy towards a whole bunch of songs, whether it's an EP or whether it's an album, and then not worry later about what reels we need to do and and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Like I really want to make sure that our visuals are as, as top-notch as possible, um, but it, it does get a little like overwhelming when you really have to worry about each particular platform for each particular photo and video and and they're all different algorithm hacks in in that stuff and i'm still learning about it i don't know i don't know near as enough as i as i want to um it gets pretty stifling and and kind of overwhelming when you have to think about that a lot because that takes so much that takes more time than music uh, in my opinion like writing the songs you, you make an effort to uh, obviously you, you put all your energy in that, but um, there's definitely a, a, maybe a little bit more of a, maybe that's just not knowing it enough yet, but it's more of a, it's, it's more of a, a, a concern, a, an effort to, to make sure that stuff is right. Where the music is, is, I guess comes quicker and, and it's easier to, to have a finalized say on that. But I mean, with content, it's just movie, it's just changing every single day. Like, you know, just a, as an inside sort of thing, when we started the campaign for this, release days were on Fridays, and now they're Wednesdays or Tuesdays all of a sudden. I've just noticed a bunch of, like, new stuff coming out on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I'm like, oh, great. Now, like, something else I'm, So you need to sort of worry about and just overanalyze for no reason. So it's just constantly moving. I, I think it is a necessity. It's great that bands are, are embracing it and doing what they're doing and finding new things to get themselves out there. Although if it wasn't there and it was just music, video, art, I would be very happy with that. But it's just, that's not the world. So <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, it's weird because at the same time, as I ramble on about this, I love the fact that you can have your own image and you can control it your way with all these things at your disposal. It's all free. Instagram's free. Uh, Facebook's free. YouTube's free for now. But, um, you know, un- until there's something they, <laughs> they want to fork out of us, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man. It's, it's strange because as I said, it's good and, and can be really annoying at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to know what the break even point I'd like someone from Twitter or, you know, any of the social platforms, you know, meta, Aka Facebook and Insta, and then Google, Aka YouTube and Google, you know, mm. but uh, Twitter as well to come out and tell us. Okay, so if you spend, here's the break-even point: if you spend ten grand with us a year, we'll guarantee that it'll go to this many eyes, and from this we work out that you'll get this many people engaging with you, which should lead to this much volume of sales, this sort of thing, because it is important because you are putting a lot of money into what I know I do with what I do. You clearly do with what you do. But but it's very opaque, isn't it? And and I've I studied it at uni, and I've got to say, it was my worst subject by far. I barely got a credit, yeah, and right. it, uh, it it confounded me. You know, we had to do an immersive program. I can't remember uh, what it's uh, what the name of it is, but we had to sell. If you've not studied any marketing, you, there's this bloody program, and you got to do social media marketing on selling cameras, right? And it's uh, it's an it's a uh, 
a simulation environment. It's got another name, but I'm going to call it a simulation environment. And uh, it's hard. I mean, it's it's extremely difficult to work out what will give you the hits and the clicks based on what the algorithm is asking for, but it doesn't tell you. Yeah. And uh, but, the same thing, but the same thing applies to what we're doing here. Yeah. No. Exactly right. It, it's it's kind of like wildfire, and and you hear these things of what will work and what doesn't work, and what's the new thing to do, and it's a it's a endless race to try and get yourself out there and if you do the wrong thing and it squashes the algorithm or squashes your reach because it didn't meet it didn't reach the they'll meet the algorithm rightly it's it can just be really like oh my god i don't want to do this i just want to play music so if we get yeah. to a point you know if this band gets to a point where we can um have someone to do it that'd be amazing but mm. at, at this stage it's it's very it's very much done in-house and at the same time i love it but then it's like to have the answers to know what i'm doing would be absolutely great um or yeah have like a like you said just have give me the outline give me tell me what i need to do or what i need to spend and tell me what it'll give me and that would be a lot easier other than throwing money and stuff and figuring out along the way well, what I've noticed is there's this tendency for the people that work at these companies and their so-called experts to say you've got to provide, you've got to produce comment that people want to see. Okay, mm. so I get that. So consequently, um, when I turn off my filters or what have you, and especially I notice on Instagram, I don't know what's been going on in Instagram. Believe me, I don't dive into any of this content, but I've been getting a lot of chicks in bikinis at the gym. Right. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and for it's sure. Like, it's like, and I know this stuff gets millions of clicks, but I mean, is, is that what we're reduced to as humanity? I, I mean, as for, uh, I think it's more of the fact that maybe so many people look at it, it's just the, the natural thing, it comes, uh, the natural thing to come on your explore page when you don't use it. I know that I don't necessarily search for things. And mm. when I do search for things, like whether it be, I don't know, Star Wars, guitars, skateboards, or whatever, if I'm, if I'm looking for something in particular or bands, related stuff will come up on that, on that explore. But if I don't do it for like a month or two, I get the same thing. And it's just like, I didn't look at this and I don't necessarily want to look at this. Um, why are you showing it to me? <laughs> and and if that's the staple of what everyone's looking at, or if that's the staple of what they think everyone's looking at, then it just, it, just, it weirds me yeah, out. God help us. Yeah. yeah, I know. Like, it's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. We all love beautiful women, right? Um, but all at some it. point, yeah, all for, all for it. But it's like, for God's sakes, it makes me look like as though I've been searching for searching for this shit constantly. <laughs> and I, I can tell you I haven't been. I've, I've got this uh, cradle of filth, chronicles of filth or what have you going on where I'm interviewing a lot of the expand members. So I try and, and former and, and, and not when I say track down, not in a weird way, I just try to find former Cannibal Corpse members like Rob Rousset, these sort of guys, guys that have been out of the spotlight for 30 years in a lot of instances and just say, hey, do you want to come on the show? We talk, give you editorial oversight. There's no pressure. We're just going to talk about the old days, the days when I was a kid coming through. That's where I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with a lot of the, uh, the you know, the thoughts and feelings of people when they're in the moment back then, if they can recount what's going on there. So I think that I'd be getting, I, I do notice when I say, type in Rob Rousset for, you know, a couple of hours or whatever. Yeah, sure. I get a lot of the Chris Barnes Cannibal Corpse clips coming back up. But then mm. they quickly fade away, and then I get the chicks, chicks in rollerblades falling into the surf and stuff, and it's like, what the hell's going on? But you know, as I say, I'm just trying to figure out, like we are all are trying to figure out how we can make sense of the bloody algorithm. Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's very strange. I don't know what it's going to come of it, uh, but the only thing I can do is research as much about of it as possible <laughs> and and try and get away from it. But you know, I don't know. It is. Is it? Is it is what it is right now? I guess it is. I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of a better way to put it, really. I say that a lot about things. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah it is how it is. 
you know. So, hey, what about uh, issues and challenges that the band has faced? Again, we might have addressed it with the social media side of things. God knows it's that important. But did you have any serious issues and challenges, particularly through the pandemic and with the recording of the, the EP that you had to overcome? Um, me personally, in regards to creativity and wanting to do stuff, I found it very hard just as a personal, uh, uh, take on that, um, issues within the band and recording during all that, it, it was, we were about to record, I think it was the day of, we were going to record drums. I think we went into a lockdown uh, and then I think we went to a lockdown, maybe day two of guitars. So it was, it was wildly and then vocals happened like once every couple of days. And then I had to, we had to stop for another lockdown. And then I don't think we did it for another couple months. I don't exactly remember the timeline, but yeah, I, I feel like looking back, every single part of the recording process got stopped by a lockdown, which was wildly uh, frustrating. But Chris was very obviously lenient in the fact that, you know, shifting times and making sure we got yeah, stuff done. Exactly. So it wasn't anyone's fault um, in regards to changing and, and whatnot. So yeah, it was at the same time, it was it, again, another is what it is moment. Um, and we just had to deal with it. And, and luckily enough, we kind of live close um, to Chris for studio staff. And yeah, it wasn't too challenging in the fact that, of moving things around. Chris was very good with us and, and, and that aspect. And we got stuff, we got everything we needed to get done. Um, you know, if the the COVID stuff didn't happen, we'd probably have this out a year before, but again, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, look, in regards to, you know, any other issues within the band recording the stuff, no, it was, it was apart from those times, those time changes, everything was very smooth. Which is great, yeah. Because I think we're we're pretty, in regards to our our recording uh, process and and the the things we need to do to be ready to record, everything was fine. Hmm. Yeah, you certainly lived through it down there. There's no doubt. I mean, we we were a bloody you know per, uh, what do they call it uh, hermit kingdom here for a bit too for a, a year and a half. But hmm. look, I, I'm loath to invite you to comment on politics because God knows I get people messaging me afterwards saying don't do it. No, no, no. no. I, to be honest, I tell people to fuck off. It's my show. We'll talk about whatever me and the guests want to talk about. If you don't want to listen to to it, don't listen to it. It's up to you. But yeah, I mean, looking at it from afar, I mean, I, I just can't believe it. That bloody Daniel Andrews is potentially going to get back in at your next state election later on this year. It just it, it blows my mind for the reasons that he was able to lock down a population. And, and you know, the the I mean, your police force looks like a bunch of bloody Gestapos anyway, dressed in all black like they were, and the uh, the acts of violence that were committed on people that were protesting. I mean, you know, you've got Black Lives Matter protesting, fine. You've got people protesting against a pandemic, nope. I mean, it's it was just a blatant misuse of authority. In yeah, opinion. yeah. I, I look. To be honest, I, I'm not your best guy when it comes to the poli political side of life. Uh, mainly because I, I don't want it to overshadow uh, anything creative or anything fun. Because th that two years was not exactly fun. Watching the bad things that had happened and the decisions mm -hmm. that were made that um, you know led people out of jobs and, and led people in serious mental anguish and financial anguish. Exactly. Yeah. Hundred percent. There was obvious. There was obvious signs of that, and it's 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 it's, it's infuriating um for people to go through that um and you know all being stuck at home and, and feeling the way a lot of people feeling did is is it's not fun and and you know again not not to go into it too much but like i can't see what 
and I maybe I, I'm not the the guy. I don't have a better option, but like I don't see what um, exactly benefited us being well. the way it happened. It was just like it just doesn't. It just didn't make sense. But um, you know, easy easy to to throw stones, I guess. But in saying that. We Unless you're a you're a hardcore member of the psychotic loony left, I know there's a lot out there. Oh, they're just very loud. Maybe there's not a lot. They're just very loud and very active on Twitter. I mean, it was it was a psychotic what what you all went through down there. And um, I mean, we weren't. I mean, we locked everybody out to the extent where you know, a dying parent parent people died without family by their bedside. It was fucking stupid. I yeah, mean, it's like the cure can never be worse than the actual thing it's trying to the problem it's trying to solve, right? Yeah, I mean, my grandfather died. Um, just before all that happened and and there was a moment in time where they're like oh we don't think you're you can come in it was like a nurse it was a nursing home yeah and i think we we all just looked at each other like no it's we're coming disgusting. in no we're, we're, yeah. we're, no no we're, we're already in we're we're walking in right now this, this is not happening so i couldn't imagine what people how they would have felt going through something like that so yeah man it was it was just it was just a horrible time um and i i wish i wish a lot had uh, happen differently. When we're talking about shows, I mean, this is this is what metal bands do. This is as a metal fan, as a metal band, that's our fire pit. That's us going back to, you know, back to our, our roots, so to speak, as primordial beings, and uh, you know, just forgetting about all that shit, pandemics, and all that sort of stuff. Being able to play again. Do you, do you have a favourite memory uh, within the band from a show that you've performed? Oh, one we've performed. Um, many. I mean, you know, we've. In the six years we've doing it, we've we've done we've done a small Japan run, which I really enjoyed. Um, we did four back to back shows with Origin and the Crown, and there was there were really great, like I mean, amazing bands. Watching those bands was really amazing, and and meeting those um, those guys were really amazing. Um, obviously, Japan is is an amazing country, so everything about that was just the best. Um, we supported Max and Igor Cavalera at um, One Seventy Russell here in Melbourne, which was sold out and absolutely packed. Um, uh, when we opened it, and that was that was amazing because we're we're huge fans um, of those guys. I'm trying to think of uh, we supported Psychroptic, Psych- and just a, a, I don't know if uh, Lachlan, our drummer, wants to for me to tell everyone, but he actually played with a tilted pelvis. He had horrible back issues, and we were so close to going. Like he's like, I I can't play. Um, like he couldn't move. And it was just, it was, we were like, ah, obviously we want him to, to feel good. Um, but it was, it was a great show at the same time and he pulled through, he did it. And, and we've, we've never forgotten that moment. So I, I, there's, there's a lot of moments that I, that I go, ah, oh, that was amazing. That was really cool. The tilted pelvis was probably one of my, my not favorite, cause that's sounds horrible that he was in such pain, but it's a memorable recovery as, as well. And, and then we played like without a, uh, Toot my own horny. We played great. It was like the best we've ever sounded, and we were at uh, Max Watts as well. So just a great stage, a stage and a great sound. So it was. De- oh, we were definitely buzzing by the end of by the end of that one for sure. Mm. Did you end up meeting Max and Gloria? No, uh, no, no, actually, I was. We were. I was going to try and sort of sneak in or whatnot because one seventies in. They've got their uh, the, like the main acts upstairs and then they're backstage yeah. and. A bit like we a crowbar like, used to be lucky, yeah. Right, right. We were lucky to get, I mean, we got this room that I think we didn't even leave because we were just like, oh, we got a room, we got free water and like water bottles and this is, <laughs> like, it was so sick. But um, 
but yeah, no, I, I unfortunately didn't get to meet them, but um, I watched the show, which I was equally, uh, you know, pleased about. <laughs> yeah, I think I've inadvertently drawn um, Gloria's ire when I, I've obviously done a lot of interviews and conversations, and one of them was with Derek. And very innocently, I always find the things that blow up the most on the show that Blabbermouth and the PRP and metal injection and all that stuff pick up, they're always, I want to say completely unintended. You don't even, you couldn't even pick it. You couldn't pay me 10 bucks or 20 bucks before an episode to say that question's the one that's going to blow up and become the thing that gets everybody into shit. But I asked Derek, I think, uh, what was the question? Why he thinks people keep talking about a reunion with Max in the band? Because it's clearly never going to happen. Oh, I don't think it will. It's been 25 years, almost 30 years now. Can you believe it? Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big old school Sepultura fan and I quite like the new stuff too. So I don't even care if it happens or not. Salavi. But I asked him that question and he says, oh, it's because, you know, people are sort of attached to the old days. And I he said, I understand. It's one of those things. He just answered the question. If you know Derek, he's a lovely fella. You know, he's just completely different to his onstage demeanour, which is ferocious. And, um, yeah, it got picked up by Blabbermouth, which which then Gloria did a big rant on Facebook about saying, fuck you, Derek, you're riding on Max's coattails. <laughs> and I've heard other, and look, without, I, won't, I definitely can't share who, but I've, I've met locals up here that have... Uh, Cross swords with Gloria. Yeah, if you get her on a bad day, you get her on a bad day. But then I've met, I've met most of her family too through the interviews. You know, Richie Cavalera and Igor, uh, the namesake of his uncle as well. Lovely people. Max, I've interviewed about five five times, I think. Lovely fellow. And I even met him when I was a young fellow and I had hair down to here in Los Angeles. And a lovely guy too, like just randomly bumped into him. Awesome guy. And it's, yeah, it's just one of those things I think where, you know, I'm prepared to put it down. If you meet somebody on the wrong day, then watch out. Yep. Oh, I mean, that's that's life in general. If you see me in the office and I'm I'm grumpy, watch out. So, yeah. <laughs> or anyone anyone in the band in the band room who's had a bad day, or it is it is what it is. We're all all people with bad days and whatnot. But um, yeah. Look, I I, I imagine, but I'm you know on good days, I imagine every. The, the Cavalier um, crew being quite sweet. So, I mean, yeah, it was an amazing experience that show and uh, watching them side of stage and, and being a part of it, I think was, was pretty cool. So origin are an amazing band as well. I can see why, why you'd, uh, why you guys would go hand together, hand and glove together in terms of the show. Great guys. Um, obviously um, there is some ties with Psychroptic um, as well, uh, which is, which was pretty cool, but, I mean, watching watching uh, watching those guys every night, and then like most of the songs starting with a snare, it's just like da, 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 da. like it was just yeah, uh, just but like it goes to show that easy people make things look easy, but it's 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 done with nothing but effort. Like it's it's hard to make it that easy to make it look that easy. If that. I don't know if I'm making any sense there, but it makes complete. I'm a muser, so it, it makes complete sense to me. You're so well rehearsed and so well drilled because of the tens, even thousands of hours of preparation. That's what it comes down to. Perfect practice makes perfect. For sure, absolutely. And, and seeing that sort of precision, uh, seeing that practice come to play, um, was like was just inspiring um, to watch that every night, no matter. Uh, how many hours those guys had sleep or, you know, the travel or, or whatnot, the, at least like the show was on every night and it was just amazing to see. So, um, but yeah, great musicianship. And we got along with the guys very well. Frankie did, especially in our band. So um, yeah, we were pleased as anything to, to experience that in Japan with those guys. 
Cycroptic have uh, jaunt across North America coming up for it's a bit over a month. So they're playing Canada. When I say North America, it's Canada and, and the United States. Are you guys in a position where you could sort of down tools with your day jobs and all the rest of it and take advantage of a tour if, you know, a band at the level of Fallujah or Origin even invited you over there to do something like that? I think if any of those guys invited us for a beer, we'd probably tools down and, dri- and drive and, and fly there. Um, mm. But in regards to... Uh, Look, I can speak for myself. If if we got a if we got an amazing offer like that, and if someone was like, you know, come do a whatever, come do a few shows, come do three months, whatever. Like, a, you know, America, North America tours are pretty extensive, and there's like thirty shows in a row, so you got to do it properly. Um, I think I think there would be no no doubt that everyone in this band would go, yeah, let's do it. Like, we have to do it. There's no there's no denying that you have to do something like that. It makes you a better yeah. band, and it makes you you get an experience that you'll never get anywhere else. And you have to grab it every chance you can to be on a caliber uh, bill like that. So, absolutely, as soon as someone goes, we want you to do this, we'll absolutely do it. We'd be more than grateful, more than honoured. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I reckon I reckon it'd be difficult to do the whole van thing, but if you had the nightliner and you had maybe. You know, you're tra- obviously you've got to travel overnight between gigs because that's just the way these things are set up. If you've got like 25 shows in sort of 32 days, you can't do it any other way, right? But, um, yeah, wouldn't it be a wonderful experience for you guys? Because you've certainly got the chops to do it. Thank you. That Thank you. That means a lot. I think it's, I think you, if you're in that position and you know what you're doing, I think you don't have a choice other than to, to be the best you can be. And I think doing, you do the first four shows in a row, I think you'd be a well-oiled machine, um, especially for us. I mean, we, we practice we practice probably more than we should, or, or not more than we should, but more than anyone would think. Um, you know, for doing one show, we lock out a, a room for a month and make sure we have the best tight show That's possible. so good to hear. Really? Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. I mean, we, we got it. And I think it... it you know, maybe playing to the primitive name, we don't necessarily play with, not necessarily, we don't at all play, we don't, right now we don't play to clicks. Uh, we don't have any any sort of backing tracks or anything like that. So it's really, uh, it's, we have, and that's probably because um, we don't really need them right now, but we don't have like a digital sort of setup in ear monitors and things like that. It's really bare bones when it comes to our live show. So we have to be that tight and we don't have anything to um, really fall back on in case there is anything that goes wrong. It's just like, here's the amp, here's the guitars. Uh, we're relying on, on the drummer and, and, and here we go. So, and, and we're lucky enough to have an amazing drummer that will do that for us. So um, yeah, it's just, I don't even know what the, I totally forgot what the question was, but no, you've answered it really well. Um, and you brought something up that I don't think of, of maybe it's been brought up in the past, but I can't remember when. My philosophy has always been perfect practice makes perfect to the extent that you can play the song solo. Re- the band could be isolated or what have you, and if you were all playing solo, muted, you'd all finish, start and finish at virtually the same time. I'm not talking about mistakes. Mistakes happen, they're acceptable, what have you. Errors, errors and like mistakes are in the moment shit. Errors are just, I don't know the part. That's just like, you don't know your shit. But yeah. the whole idea that for the non-musicians out there, oftentimes you've got to use in-ears on stage because the, in, the on-stage monitoring is garbage. Yes. But and most of the time it is garbage and it's not sorted properly and it takes half the show. And if you're playing for like 25 minutes, sometimes as an opening act or what have you, you haven't got that 
that that situation. You just don't. You've got to put oh. on a. I imagine the Max Cavalera one, the Maximeville Cavalera Cavalera conspiracy. Oh no, it wasn't Cav. It was a. They played the. Um, not schizophrenia. What did they play? I know the show you 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 played at though, because I remember seeing you guys down there on on the list. Ashes of Rise. Was it a? It was a rice. Yeah, it was a rice. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you 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 literally sometimes it's just you, it's like being in a white noise vortex when you're yeah. up on stage. Yeah, I mean, like at least for me, because I'm right behind. Um, no, sorry, I'm right in front of Lachlan, our drummer. At the at most of the stages, all I can hear is a cymbal just yeah. in, in my ear. So um, it, we we probably to our own um, naivety and. And whatnot, we don't have the we don't have that sort of setup just yet. And we've been playing, you know, with with the Japan stuff. We were able to get some amps, and we were able to get a sound that we could easily work with. But it's all we know at the same time. So I guess as soon as once we get in ear monitors, the things are going to be a lot better, and we'll probably play a lot better because they are beneficial for everyone's health and, and their ears and um, and their big their live show as well. So I don't know. It's um it, it's it's just something I think we'll do. We'll do, we need we need to we need to do it. We need to s- sort of step up the the spec in, in in the in the camp, and it'll it'll happen eventually. Mm. Yeah, I think I think punters, without realizing it, they really they they appreciate it. When bands are, are well drilled and have got their shit down pat, and you booked out a rehearsal room for a month prior to a show, I can tell. Okay, I don't know the detail, but I can tell you well drilled. So there's obviously a lot of preparation and practice that's gone into it the last thing you want to do is turn up and the guys in the band are all looking at each other for when a change is supposed to happen i can't stand that sort of shit yeah and i think it goes it goes back to what we were saying before it's like if it looks easy that's not because it's easy that's because the band's locked a room uh, locked in a room for a month and smashing out that set to make Mm. sure it looks easy as possible so uh, the easiest as possible so i really pride on i really pride ourselves on making sure we have and not to say that any is a bad or whatever, but like, we, like as lo- if we can play together, and as you said, if we can play the songs separately perfectly, like that's there's just nothing that can go wrong. Um, besides us becoming deaf at forty, uh, which is you know, <laughs> not too far away as time sort of uh, waits for no one. So, uh, you know, yep. it's it's really it, that's that's really is the crux of a good live show is just making sure you know you've got everything down pat no matter what happens. So. Um, it's just been our vibe, and it always it, it it always will, in a sense. It will always be a room over practicing, over analyzing, and making sure it's the best thing possible. Otherwise, there's no no point doing it. And me personally, it's just like that's been my vibe since I've I was gonna say since I've known myself, but that doesn't make sense. But since I've been, you know, since been I've been a full I've, on muso. Well, yeah, being a muso yeah. and just like working as well it's like there's just no point in half-assing anything you got to do it with 100 percent effort otherwise you don't do it um so you know that's that's been my that's been my mentality for as, as long as i can remember um and and we do we do that very uh, we do that a lot within the band yeah totally yeah i'll put you on my next look i don't put it on spot actually i do put it on spotify but as a podcast episode but i do a uh it's incredible i, I do this uh this monthly music show and unless I interview someone like, uh, you know, someone prominent, really prominent, it'll be my my most listened to episode by far. Mm. Um, People have a hunger for new music. I just don't think, I don't know whether a lot of metal metal fans are really in tune with what goes on 
on Spotify, I still think a lot of metal fans like curated playlists. They like someone to actually say why this song is important, that sort of thing. So you'll definitely be on the August edition now that I've got the the cuts and the album. I try to put things on there after things have been released. Yeah, no, course, thank for you. For obvious reasons, yeah. Absolutely. No, that is much appreciated. I really appreciate your interest in, in doing this and, and, and getting, getting us, um, you know, to new listeners. I think metal is, a, is something that needs to be curated by the, curated by the right people. Um, and it's and yeah, it's just something that is. Oh, look, I don't know. Maybe because I'm not that in in the world of. I'm a fan of hip hop and, and pop and a lot of different things, but I'm not fully in in that world as as much as I am in, in metal. But metal is a deeply personal thing, um, and if no one in the and people in the outside of that just don't get that, and it can be weird to to other people. But yeah, it's a it's a deeply personal thing and. and has, there are so many different things out there in metals, so it can be hard to, to, to sort of figure out what's going on. But yeah, mm. it needs, needs to be curated. Needs to be needs to have actual thought put into those sort of things because um, otherwise it becomes stale and it becomes the top flavor of the month. You know what I mean? It becomes like a top forty thing, and no one wants that. No one in metal wants that. I don't want the generic same thing. You want some new stuff to happen to come out and and be exposed to different things. Sure. Yeah, look, I'm, just quickly, I'll make this point. Um, you, you go to a lot of the, the the Spotify best of lists or what have you, you know, they've got the same old shit on there. And, and this is stuff I've listened to t- potentially thousands of times, Number of the Beast, Flight of Icarus, Master of Puppets, Ride mm. the Lightning, all of the usual suspects. And it's like, dear God, really? I, I can't listen to it anymore. It's out of my, it's, it's so embedded that if I listen to it, I'd get bored very, very quickly. But I know how I used to feel about it when I was a young fella. I just don't feel about it the same way now. I'm a bit different to most people like that. I tend to, I honour the legacy, no doubt about that, but I prefer the new. Great. I mean, that's, and you've got to, think something about not embracing new new things, whether that's in music or just anything else, I find quite weird. Um, you, you know, going back to the social media thing, it's like you need to embrace it. As much as it can be pain, uh, new is good. And, and there are so many, in regards to music, there are so many, amazing bands out there doing amazing things and sounding great and having great live shows. So, um, no, you have to, you have to nod, nod the, uh, the masters, um, you know, and, and let the, and let the, the people who are coming up have their, have their spot as well. And that's happening. I think, I think you'll find, I mean, obviously Metallica and Iron Maiden and stuff, they won't be headlining within the next five decades. Yeah. I think they've got a decade in them. Certainly, Iron Maiden. I mean, I, I just can't see them doing it in their eighties. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. how old would they be? They must be at least sixty-one, sixty-two. It's got to be. Yeah, they've got to be mid to. Yeah, they've got to be early to mid sixties. School Metallica are coming up to sixties now. So yeah, they're late fifties. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dave Mustaine looks like his face is about to fall off. For God's sakes, <laughs> these days. So, I mean, he he looks like shit. Uh, he's, you know he's, I mean? a, he's had a rough trot, Dave. But um, he has. It's. I think yeah. you know what I think it is. It's. 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 And this is what. God help me here. David Bowie, for example, kept. You know, he did a lot of shitload of stuff. Let's face it. I mean, he's acknowledged it. I'm not saying anything that people don't know or can't research. Right. But once you do the damage when you're young, it stays with you, and it's common knowledge. Dave was a junkie for years. Right. Right. You know, like, have you seen just quickly? Have you seen what the Chili Peppers look like these days? Um. I think I might have seen like one or two, because they're still rocking it shirtless, aren't they? They're, they're doing oh, it. 
They're doing it in the way they've done it for. I wish they wore full suits, to be honest with you, to your point. You know, I mean, they, they look like a bunch of paroled sex offenders at the moment. They look terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, are you a Simpsons fan? Do you like The Simpsons? Oh, I, I do, but I haven't watched them in, I've got to say, at this point, decades. There's 90s, this. Um, yeah. I'm going to refer, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to have to tell you there's this bit where um, Troy McClure, who's like a. I don't think he's not really an A-list. He's like a C-grade celebrity. Yeah, no, no, Troy, he's classic. Yeah. Hi, this is Troy McClure. Yeah, you might remember me from such and yeah. such. Yeah. <laughs> Play, he's in a he's in a movie with the Muppets and then um he smiles and there's like, why is that Muppet laid out of, made out of leather? Like that's what it reminds me of the chili peppers in, in no shirt. They just look like leather. They look like all, all crunched up or whatever. I don't know, but oh. that just reminded me of it. I just totally change the subject about the Simpsons, which is something that I naturally do, but <laughs> I, I get what you mean. I, I, I don't know. It's I, I, I don't drink. I don't uh, partake in any. I admire that. Gosh, wish rec- I didn't drink, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no recreational activities. So um, if I, you know, I don't know. I, at the same time, I'm 31 and I look 16 still. So if that can, if that can continue <laughs> with me when I'm 60, trying to play my riffs, um, I will, I'll, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> oh, look, the the stone, the thing is the stones have looked the way they do now for at least 30 years, right? They just they they hit they hit about age 50 and they just didn't change. You know, I mean Keith Richards, he's he's long since looked like as though he's been shoved in an oven and left in there for too long. But <laughs> but I mean they're still going. More more power to them. But I mean the chili peppers, the other thing too about the chili peppers, they sound like fucking garbage too. Uh, like they're missing yeah. notes. I, I look more power to them, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to bag him for no reason. I've never been. I've never been a huge fan of him. Um, I, I can't really quite see the the hype or, or the talent. Um, but <laughs> they're, they're doing their thing, and and what and whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I don't get their popularity. I've got to say, like it's like hey, I've, I've long been on record and that I don't understand Metallica's post post load popularity. But um, same thing with the Chili Peppers. It's like I get it. There's three albums there that I think are really good, yep. but the rest of it you could probably throw on the bin. And and look, I'm somebody who was so influenced by Fleas, and I want to be clear about this tone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Doug Wimbish is my from Living Color is my Alpha and Omega, but but Fleas tone, that's probably why I play Galleon Kruger and I play Music Man basses, you know, and I remember the ads from Guitar World and shit in the early 90s and I was like, well, if he's playing them and then when I saw Galleon Kruger for sale in the shops, I was like, I'll get that one, thanks. You know, and I just stuck with it now for 30 years or whatever it's been and um, I love his tone, there's no doubt, but his tone's shifted over the years too. He's uh certainly doesn't have that wonderful tone that he had on Mother's Milk and uh, mm-hmm. even um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic and stuff and, you know, he's shifted basses and stuff too, so he long hasn't played I think he still plays Galleon Kruger. It could be wrong, but certainly music band basses. He played Modulus and a few others he's gone through. He's got his own brand these days. But um, yeah, there's just it's it's more like a cult, isn't it, really? The way fans get invested in bands and they hang on to them. And it's like you can't talk to the average Metallica fan about why you don't like Metallica because fuck you, man. <laughs> Look, uh, I don't want to I want to expose myself. I'm I'm Probably that guy, Metallica. Are the, I'm going to say right now. I'll, I'll say Metallica are the best band in the world, and even through their tumultuous, I didn't even say that word right. Even through their the most uh, uh, tumultuous, tumultuous yeah. time, and still still can't say. It. Uh, I find I find a, I find a gem in in the shit. So um, you know, 
We could Can convince we... me. Okay, just on that point. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Yeah, Jesus, here we go. All right. <laughs> but it's all it's all like it's all up to it's all subjective. Yeah, it's all subjective. I, I totally get that. But this is the point of podcasts is you, you're allowed to talk shit, right? You know, we've got license to do that, you know. So I'll here we go. Here, I'll be here all night. I don't I, I we'll do it all night. I don't care. Hardwired to self-destruct is their second worst album. Argue against. Second worst album. Um Load is their worst. That's common knowledge. Oh, sorry. Sandanga is sorry. So I don't even I want to be clear here. I don't even count Sandanga as an album. Like it's just over, just leave it. Lulu isn't a Metallica album, it's a collaboration. No, I, so I, I, then, that's separate. Yeah. 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 So not people have got to understand that. It's just them fighting in a bathtub, whatever. And that yep. that when 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 so I just got to make this point quickly. I laughed so hard when I first heard James Hetfield going "small town girl" whilst Lou Reed's yelling it while you're going, "I got my dick sucked by a coloured man" or whatever it was he's talking about, and and James is going "small town girl" like it's like it's like they're in two totally separate universes, and it's it's as if they've gone mad, and we just have to watch this train wreck unfold. But anyway, it, I digress. No, no, real quick, it is weird. It- to think, to think when in any aspect, to think when you're in a room and go, that's really great, and then it ends up being that. It's, it's, that's that. I would love to be a fly on the wall in those sessions and be like, that's that's good. Like, what's what's going on here? What's what's the vibe? I just, it's just interesting to see people's creative perspective on sessions like that. When you hear back and things that you don't like, you go, I wonder what it was that went through their process or their their sort of filter to. To come out with that, so it's- I blame Lars. I've got to be honest with you. I blame Lars because he's such a smart ass, and he thinks he's European. And I mean, he might be European, but he's really American. But he tries to. I he, he like he punches down on American culture. You know what I mean? Like he tries to. I'm I'm Danish. It's a really Danish thing to do. It's like motherfucker, you've been in the US for the past forty five years or something. You're about as you're about as Danish these days as I am Irish, and the same thing for you with Mal- Malta, Maltese, or something. You know, it's like you got yeah. a, you got the heritage, but you can't really say you're from that really anymore because you're embedded in another culture. I've got I've got the short temper and the short height to be connected to Malta, but that's really about it. That to say that I'm, you know, fully fledged a Maltese man, it would. It would. I would. I don't know. But I don't know. That's interesting. The Maltese. I was. I was with a Maltese girl for about seven years. I reckon they're some of the nicest people naturally that I've ever met, and uh, that might have been my experience. But gosh, they're beautiful people. Yeah. It was um, like there. There is something. There's a real. There's a real uh, uh, contrast. Um, we'll get back to Metallica real quick. But there's a real contrast <laughs> with Maltese people where, in the fact that they're beautiful, caring people, and they love you so much that it looks like it's it's not that, if that makes sense. Really, just really um, invested and, and energetic. In, in no, that. I agree. Totally. It was my experience too. I mean, I, I was shocked at how, you know, being an Aussie, completely Australian, um, mm-hmm. I was really surprised at, at how, um, you know, there are some cultures that don't accept Australians. Let's face it, it's just how it is. But the Maltese, they're, they're completely find that there's a couple of Croatians do, Maltese do, you know, there's a few others, of course, there, but there's some others where you do get a bit of a clash, let's face it. You know, I'm originally from Sydney and and Melbourne's very similar to Sydney and uh, there's certain areas you just don't go, you know, and you, you really shouldn't go to if you're if you're an Aussie, you know. Right. And um, But the Maltese people I just found were just beautiful. Well, I'll, I'll let my – I'll make sure Dad knows that and I'll see if he agrees with you or not. <laughs> 
Well, it doesn't count if you're from that nationality. It's like us being Aussies, right? Yeah. And we have a dig at other Aussies and so I've done that sometimes, especially I, there was a period there where I wouldn't interview Australian bands. It just got it just got too weird. Yeah, right. Um, oh, it was it got really I'm not saying tough, but they were talking shit about me between themselves on socials posts that they put up about episodes that I'd I'd hosted. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this. I mean, I'm, you know, here I am, especially at the time I had young kids. Mm. I'm exhausted. I was working, I still am working full time, but had a really tough job. I was an account executive for Telstra mm-hmm. and I was working, when I wasn't working, I was thinking about work. It was one of those jobs and doing this on the side and I fuck you, you know, sort of thing. And I, and I just wanted to ban it. But but look, I, th- I think we should get back to the Metallica, the yeah, conversation sure. about Metallica. Sure. Yeah, I think think you and I can talk about all sorts of things, but I think we, yeah. we should talk about Metallica. So convince me that they don't suck and let's use Hardwired to self-destruct as the uh, as the case in point. I think it's their second worst album behind Load. I actually quite like Reload. So over to you. I think Hardwired to Self-Destruct is the best of album that they that of songs that were never created in the first place. So it's it's an amalgamation of everything that they've done and it's the ver- it's the it's the rightfully so it's the late 40s early 50s however uh, or sorry mid 50s whatever however old they were when they created it. It's multi-millionaire dad metal and I'm all for it because wow that's them in that moment with that money, those resources, that studio, those tours, the, the backlog of masterpieces. I'm saying it, I'm saying it uh, confidently and with full honesty, like there's a lot of, they have just flawless, flawless material. So um, in regards to, see, yeah, I don't, it's kind of weird. Cause it's like, it's metallic, like hardwired is kind of like, I don't think I'm not. I'm not going to say it's not an addition to the legacy, but it's kind of like after the legacy in a sense. If you get what I mean, where it's oh, yeah, like totally, yeah. It's, if it was released or not, who cares? You know, it's just sort yeah. of there. It's yeah. like it's like here. Here it is. Um, here it is after everything you know about them. So it's kind of that's why I mean by like the best of of material that were never that was never released because you've got this kill them all to reload. Well, anger, I should say, saying anger and death magnetic as well. I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I think, you know, I I think Load will be an album everyone loves in like five ten years. Oh, I can't agree with that. Sorry. Oh it'll my be god. This, I'm telling you, it'll be this flawless rock oh. record that everyone loves. Because I, I've had I had a conversation about this today. Actually, I just think people who bands who uh, constantly evolve themselves and do not give a shit about what is happening outside of that, come out on top whether they th- where, where, where people think it's bad or not because it everything comes full circle. Like Slipknot, for example, right? They've been Slipknot for as long as they've been around. They didn't pander to anything. They, they've stuck to their thing, and that worked for them. They've got their recipe. And it's like this, it's like they've got the legacy and now this new album's gonna come out, it's gonna be everything you know about Slipknot and it's gonna be sh- it's gonna be sick. It's gonna be shit hot. And, and and that there's nothing that can deny then you can't deny that. So for me at least, it's like everything comes full circle. Every band that is in the top tier, um, whether they go through emotion at a time of being having bad albums or whatnot, it's gonna come full circle and it's gonna be cool. It's it's just not that time yet. I know, you, I know that's weird to say, but it's 
No, I respect your opinion. You're a great musician, so you're allowed to have whatever opinion. That I honestly, I've got to say, I divide sort of people up the way. If you're a muso, you can have any opinion you want, and it's it's fine. If you're a person on the street, it's usually like the, the amount of people that I've met at not recently. I mean, not not even for ten years. I'm talking about a long time now. But go to a party and. Especially when I had long hair and they'd say Cliff Burton's the best bass player ever. And I go, no, it's it's too subjective to say that. But have you heard Steve DiGiorgio? And they go, Steve DiGiorgio sucks, man. It's like, have you heard Steve DiGiorgio? And they're like, I don't care about no George Steve. And you're like, yeah, go away, just fuck off, you know. And there there are so many. I get that with the biggest bands, like the biggest football teams, whatever. They're just fanboys and fangirls who are just died in the wall. And in this case here, the Metallica thing, it's like it's like I, I've spoken to Cam Lee about Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck Schuldiner is held up as a patron saint these days. He's a very complicated man. He was a very complicated uh, fellow. Yeah. And I've spoken to just about not all many band members. Okay, Steve. Cam Lee, Gene Hoglan, and yeah, they've all said the same thing that yeah, he, he lovely guy in his moment, but he had his moments, he had other moments, like we all do, okay. Yeah. But the deification of people, I've spoken, have I spoken to people around Cliff Burton? No, I haven't. So I shouldn't even go there and say that because I haven't. But I can imagine from what I've read about Cliff Burton, yeah, he didn't take any shit from anybody. So if he didn't like you, he didn't like you. He didn't sound like a very agreeable guy at all. But because he was a bass player who looked like he should have been playing in Leonard Skinner or something or Blue Oyster Cult or something like that, he's developed his own sort of, you know, this this cult of personality thing well before he'd passed away. And then when he did, it just his his place on the dais alongside of Hendrix, Kurt Cobain and all those people. Kurt Cobain obviously came later. But, you know, my point is that it, it was all but assured. And I think he's been the patron saint of the band for so long that a lot of people sort of get into that vibe. But in terms of reviewing Metallic with a, with, with a critical eye, um, absolutely the the albums that, that Dave Mustaine helped, helped inspire, so up until Master of Puppets, what's all there without those albums, metal, it might have evolved, but it probably wouldn't have been as big. You know, they're like Iron Maiden. They're that important that they expanded Metal's reach because they were so popular. But after that, I mean, do, do, do you think Black Black is an essential album in their catalogue? I think, well, I was zero when that came out, so I don't really know the impact it made when it released. But if I was to look back on it, I think... I, maybe I look maybe I look too far into it, A, as a Metallica fanboy, and B, as just like being in a band and, and just doing whatever you want. I, I, think, um, I think it is essential. It is an essential album in the fact that they did expand. Um, they, they expanded their audience, and they expanded their audience to go back to their, their later albums. But I don't know if it's a, like not being there. I don't know if that album made heavy music cool then, or if it, expose other bands to be on the radio or, or whatever platforms that were out at that time. I'm not too sure what the pivotal impact it made at that moment, but if I was to look back and go, here, here are the albums of Metallica, Black Album needs to be in there as one of the classics because it was, it, it was defining for them. Hmm. And, and the Black Album money that they still make brings us cool shit and makes them tour two weeks on, two weeks off in a private Australia very soon, hopefully. And I can see him at 60 and be happy. Have you, have you seen them though? Have you seen them live? I've seen them seven. I, I saw oh, them clearly. Seen them like five times in Melbourne, Melbourne. I went to Sydney and I, I went to San Francisco to see SNM two. Oh, 
What did you think? I am not the right guy to have this conversation. No, <laughs> it's it's cool. It's good to get your perspective on things because I want um, someone to, you know, you're doing a good job articulating why you like them. I just don't know whether I'm convinced that they're yeah, for me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm not. I'm definitely not saying you got to like Metallica because I would be running around tired because I, you know, I'm very passionate in that. But I I enjoyed. I mean, I enjoyed going to San Francisco for a week and watching Metallica twice. I think that was pretty amazing. But um, I fell in love with the S and M one album. I think, and you know, it, I th- I think it's a. Um, like top tier produced live oh album. Oh my god! Yeah, we've we totally different views on this. Yeah, that's incredible. It's amazing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a sonic abortion. To be honest with you, I can't even believe Michael Carmen put his name to it. I mean, Henry- I love Michael Carmen. You know, uh, and, and and what he does with rock bands and stuff. He's 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 long gone now. For people who don't know, but you know the work that he did with on La, La, Last Action Hero on the soundtrack there and stuff. I mean, he's yeah, he's, right. he's um, done film scores, all sorts of things, but. It's to me okay. Here's one of the songs off SNM. The thing that should not be to yeah. me sounds like as though they've just put it in a blender off SNM one. Yeah, I think. Do you agree with that, or do you think it? Do you, can you make sense of it? I get. I get. I'm far too biased. I get. I reckon I can understand the intention of it sounding the way it does. I think it's meant to be. I think it's meant to be obnoxious, and it's meant to be. In your gut, uncomfortable. It meant to be uncomfortable because that song is uncomfortably uncomfortable. edgy for that time. It's not like a – it's not meant to be pretty. Like Bleeding Me, for example. Uh, Bleeding Me. Outlaw Torn. Those big load and reload songs. Hmm. All this. They had so much space for that to be pretty and for it to be atmospheric and for it to be what it is. But that song, it's just chuggy pretty much all the way through with some open stuff. And it's it's. I think it's meant to be that guttural, like yeah, uncomfortable is probably the, the the word I would use. Where it it's it was intended to be that ugly. For yeah, me. I think I think they got lazy. My, my view on that is that Lars committed them very early on to making an album a year from 1996 onwards up until year 2000. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, or you no 1999. So he wanted so obviously load reload. Garage Inc. Yes, Garage Inc. And then S and M. And the proof. To support my comments there, if it was a uni assessment, is that No Leaf Clover being the only song that was actually written and produced for that production, sorted for that production, that minus, sounds pretty good. Minus Human as well. Yeah, I didn't think that worked that well. I thought No Leaf Clover, though, stands up to this day, and I think the proof is in the pudding that the band still plays it live. I think, um, can you imagine what the what the rock album that would have came out if they kept going in, like, 2000? Like if there was an album, I absolutely between, agree. Yeah. yeah, sorry, I know where you're headed. Sorry to jump in. Sorry, but I just want to make this point quickly. One of their best songs was that Mission Impossible song, uh, "I Disappear." Yeah, because and I've written. You can check on my website. I've actually written a big thing about the band because of that that naff period between um, 1994 and uh, the the late 90s when when they just seemed to. God knows what was going on. I mean, that's when the we didn't know at the time, but that's when the wheels fell off because that's when Jason was really feeling ostracized. And when I mean it didn't start in the um Sandanga sessions and mm. that weirdo Phil no. Tail guy. Yeah. It sort of it had been building for years after the success of the Black album. But I thought with I disappear, if they kept on going in that vein to your and I think tell me if I'm gonna make the point you were gonna make. And I'm sorry that I jumped in, but I've oh. I've I'm so glad that I've met somebody and talking to somebody who's thinking it this way about it because 
you know, I too love, I mean, I listened to Master of Puppets for like a year straight, like every day. So that's how much of a fan I was. But I Disappear had all of the ingredients that they wished that they built on, but they stopped after that. Riffs built upon quasi riffs and they were going in more of a rock direction. They'd sort of thrown the metal out the window and they were just going, you know what, we're just a band that likes big production, big videos, Tom Cruise. Here you are, people. I wish they'd gone in that direction. I'd probably still be a fan. Yeah, I think there would have been a, there would have been some amazing material if the deterioration uh, around that time didn't happen. Um, but I look, I don't know. I can anyone can sit there and and say something's good, something's bad. If someone said, if we if if we became if primitive became a band a band where we had eight albums in the bank and and. And, and you know on our belt and we were doing a bunch of stuff and someone said this period you were shit it's like well i don't know it was it well i'm um, no it's not up for it's no that's not right it is up for anyone to say what they think but i just think there's like you start when you start something when you're 18 it's going to be different when you're 35 right like kill them all that as that 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 era what are they, 24 in Master of Puppets? No, yeah, 24, 25. I think you're right, mate. They're certainly in their mid-20s, yeah. yeah. And that's am- that's amazing. That, that's like the best, some of the best uh, best metal out there in, the, in your 20s. That's, that's lawless stuff. I wish I could write Master of Puppets when I was 24. Kidding? That's absolutely phenomenal. But, yeah, and I think you get to a point where you're like, oh, I want to slow down and I want to do some rock stuff. And there's, there's some things in there, like if Sane Anger was released by another band and it was cut half cut in half in regards to its time song song times that'd be that'd be some sick album from some band but again it's from metallica so you have you have expectations you have standards but i just think things are things are and i'm being a fanboy but things are different at that time um and whether you like if you don't like it don't listen to it if you like it listen to it i don't know i just i find the, the maybe i'm um being just overly optimistic about it. But I find gems in anything Metallica related. I don't think there's anything out that I'm like, ah, oh, it's not, that's not shit. It's, it's just my, my perception is this. And then I go, okay, cool. Do I listen? You can, to you can listen to, okay. So, I mean, I, I can't even compare your band's music to Santango. You can't compare the quality. Like it's just, I'm speaking as a fan, as a musical appreciator, we've just met, so I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but I yeah. mean, look, if if they'd released the music that you guys are doing right now uh, with the rats uh, with the rats and the snakes yeah. instead of Santango, that style, okay, they wouldn't release the same, but that style. You, you, I mean, what, what can I say? I mean, I just can't, I simply... I, it's a pile of shit. Sorry, in any surely you agree with me to an extent. Like Sananga is an epic failure on literally every level: production, songwriting, the package itself. Even getting Pusshead or Pusshead or whatever he back in to do that dumb album cover. It's not a full-on Metallica album cover. Like what I had on, and you know they had the t-shirts. He did their t-shirts. Sorry, I get that, but you know it, it was under underutilizing Pusshead or Pusshead. You know there was it, it was just everything about that album just is weird and wrong do you agree or to a to a metallica standard i'd say that i would agree it is not up to their standard i would say there's many factors at that time you seriously i've got to say i'm not the right guy to have this conversation with because i'll find i'll i find the human element in it and that's i don't know that 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 movie i watched it so i watched i watched some kind of monster probably like once every 
six months or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't get through it. I, 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 I embrace that turmoil because it's an absolute shit fight of watching <laughs> like four, three or three dudes just going at it and just like not knowing what the hell's going on. It's incredibly – there's insecure, insecurities everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's so raw and you're just like, well, no wonder Saint Anger – that's how Saint Anger came out because I think James was in a rehab facility for a year or whatever and who God knows what happens in there. I don't want to be in that situation. Therapy alone would be a very hard thing to go through and I don't know. I just think like that, that in, at that time was probably their best effort and they probably could, they could have done way better. Um, but regarding the circumstances and at the moment at that time, that's what came out and, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm, I cast a critical eye on things. Like my, my favourite band for years were Megadeth and they, they lost me after um, – oh, God, they, certainly Risk is just a pile of dog shit. Risk – one thing I will say, Santanga is bad. It's atrocious. Mm-hmm. Risk is the – Fucking worst. Yeah, right. Risk is, I mean, Santanga is virtually unlistenable. Risk is unlistenable. Yeah. Okay. In 1999, I, I couldn't believe that Dave released that steaming pile of shit. Yeah, right. It is, Risk is such a bad album. Like, I, you know why it's so bad? Dave didn't have the excuses that you so beautifully articulated that Metallica may have had. I mean, my views on Metallica is Santanga is, Santanga in that episode of the band's career could only have come about through blokes that had never had a real job, okay? Totally oh. disconnected from reality. You know, fucking Kirk walking around his ranch or, you know, farm or whatever it was in Northern California there talking. It was just, it was just weird. You know, Lars yelling at, at James this far away from his face saying, Stark, Stark. And and it's like, what, what, if someone spoke to me like that, I'd shove my base in their fucking nostrils. You know what I mean? It's... Who talks to people that way and then films it and thinks it's okay to do that? And it's very, it's odd, man. It's like it's performance art to an extent. It was, I mean, the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like it was around about the same time that that weird The Osbournes is on TV as well, and I'm a huge Aussie fan, but, you know, the musician Aussie, not the caricature right. of Aussie. And I was like, what? what is this? Where are we headed, people? You know, and I was in my 20s at the time and I'm watching this stuff and I'm like, I don't care about what he has for breakfast. Mm. Can you just get back together with Bob Daisley and produce another killer, killer Aussie-style album a la The Ultimate Sin or Bark at the Moon? And, you know, he's sort of his latest material actually sounds, doesn't sound like that, but it sounds pretty good, I've got to say. I, I checked out, I'd, I'd always listened to it and um, I'll leave Gus G out of it because he's a lovely fella and I've had, a, I've had a couple of chats with him, I think, certainly one chat with him. He's a good guy and great guitarist and all the rest of it. But, yeah, yeah I mean, sorry, I digress. We're talking about Metallica. It, um, I, I suppose... Yeah, I just don't get the on mass support that they get when I feel like as though my point overall, if I could wrap up my point in a way, is that they take oxygen away from you guys. All these fans that could be listening to some of the newer and emerging acts that come through, I don't agree. I used to agree with Jamie Jastry said high tide raises all ships. I don't agree with that. I think there there is a finite space and Metallica take up a lot of it. So do Iron Maiden, I've got to say. And in a way, I wish they'd both fuck off. Because I don't think they're producing vital and real music. Their tours, there are a lot of people out there that have, say, $300 a year to devote to going to a show, mm-hmm. and they use it all up on these bands when they could be going and seeing you guys. I'm, we, we, most of us live in democracies that listen, listen to this. You know, I've got listeners in Iran and stuff too. God bless them all, really. But, um, you know, for, for those of us that, that that are living on a budget, 
I wish that you go out, you know, you get your three or four beers, go and watch, go and watch the primitives of the world rather than fucking hanging on to what Metallica's doing next. I get that. Yeah. And I think, I, th- I think there's a, I feel like there's a change there. I mean, those headliners that we, we sort of mentioned before or the point we mentioned before, it was kind of like, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a tide turning with that. And like Slipknot, for example, next in line to be the, the, the headliner that headlines for the next 10 years or however long, five years, whatever. Um, like Trivium, Lamb of Gods, Gojira, all that sort of stuff. They're they're just top tier. They'll be they'll be like, yeah. There's a bunch. Yeah, you can see you can you know the bands that are going to come up and replace the Metallica's and they're ready. You know, Parkway yeah. as well. They've become Parkway Drive have become this stadium filling like anthemic band now. That uh, they headline Varken. Oh, I think it's certainly though they are headliner. I don't yeah. know whether they headline Varken. I think they might have. But I'm with you. Like to me, I mean, they're just down the road here, right? And uh, they're they're um, uh, just outside of Byron, and um, and I know people who know the guys who who assure me that they're they're just as normal as the day before they got big, you know. They're just as normal normal guys that you wouldn't you'd, you'd meet them at an airport and just think that they're traveling somewhere or what have you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tourists or what have you. But they assure me that they've not lost their heads and they're lovely fellas, you know. No, I, just as a, a sort of back uh, backstory, I work for a music wholesaler that does. Uh, just we distribute ESP guitars, so I've I've dealt with Parkway, the Parkway guys, for a little a little bit, so oh, cool. met one or two yeah. times. Lovely, lovely dudes, and it was very weird seeing how weird in a sense that you thought they would be not who they Dickheads. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was but just not. yeah. Like I'm there for for ESP, right? And then like the whole band come and talk to us, like with no affiliation to the brand. They're just dudes who came had a chat during their sound check, and it was just like. Like, this is amazing. Like, I wish I, if I ever got to a point where we're headlining something of that size or any size, I want to mm. make sure I'm like those guys. The Parkway Drive are the most inspirational Australian bands because they've just kept doing it and they've been doing it in the shit for so long in regards to just roughing it. And, and they did the van stuff and, the, and they've just built themselves up and they've done it all themselves, it seems. And, and it's really inspiring. Sorry, it's, it's a bit of a, no, they've done it under the radar too. Like I'm not a fan of the band. I'll say that now. I'm not, not a huge fan of the music. I've reviewed right. their stuff and I've been favourable because I know they're coming from a really good place and they put in a great show. Yeah. Apparently, I know a couple of their and David Dean on the Sunny Coast does some of their promotion. And um, yeah, and it, look, he doesn't go into a lot of the detail, but apparently uh, they reinvest a lot of their uh, gate earnings or whatever in the show itself. So they've got a lot of stuff going on. It's like a huge production. You know, I mean, I'm going to fork out 300 bucks to watch Kiss down at the Gold Coast soon, you know, and um, I, I, you, you do it because you got to do it. I went and saw Paul McCartney, so I sort of figure all these bands I've got to sort of watch. But I mean, the point is Parkway are in their late 30s or early 40s. I think they're younger than me, those guys. Right. And I mean, they're going to be here for 30, 30 or something years more. I mean, they, yeah, they sure. are them and the Sabatons and stuff. You know, the Judas Priest, Metallica's Slayer's gone. We know that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long Dave Mustaine can continue going on for because he's they're tuning down like I think one or one and a half old steps at the moment to cater his voice. Right. Um, when you listen to the stuff, and Dirk Verburen's a lovely fella. I've spoken to him before. He's Soilworks drummer, who's now Megadeth drummer, has been for some time. But it's it's sort of it's a bit of a Megadeth collective in a way these days. You know, it's not just the Dave thing. All mm-hmm. of the guys are singing. Yeah. I think these days I sort of helped Dave. Um, I've, I've watched all the latest stuff anyway right. on the European festivals that have opened up. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the Metallica thing, the Iron Maiden thing, even the Megadeth thing to a lesser extent. I've loved these bands deeply. 
appreciated mm. these bands for a long time. Um, but I'm, I have been at a point for a long time, uh, well, I'm going to say a long time, a couple of years now where I, I do the new music shows because I want people to know that there is new music out there and it doesn't suck. It is worth listening to. I rarely, I occasionally hear people say there's no good new music out there and I'm just like, I, I can't help you. If you say that, you're just, you're just being lazy, really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, there's, we're spoiled. Well, I can speak for the Australian scene. We're spoiled for choice of good music. There are too many, not too many. There are so many talented bands. In a way, there's too many because you've only got a finite amount of time on top of your life, haven't you? you yeah, know? that's true. You know, it, it's, it's, and a lot of people wanting to do the same thing. And you've got to, as an artist, you've got to find yourself a unique way to get yourself in front of more people or other people or the same amount of people. But yeah, you've, there's a lot there's a lot to go through i'll say that for sure mate we've given people heaps of content on this yeah, one if you're cool with everything being released i am look no no i there's more than more than a few times where i've probably rambled on and, and um told everyone how much i love metallica and i'm not afraid of that andrew so um more I'll, power to you brother whatever you want to do yeah, I don't judge, by the way. I just, uh, yeah, it's always, I like different points of view. I do. I enjoy, I'm not one of those people who, um, the only time I, I, I've never had any issues in the podcast, it's just when you get people who are uneducated and who are ideologues. Yeah, for Politi- sure. Political or personal, you know, or they follow things like they're fanboys. That's a different, I don't, you're just an appreciator. How do you have it? Like what I say, a deep appreciation for the band and more power to you. I think uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's, you know, what's weird because there's probably other bands out there that I'll go, nah, that, that album really didn't do anything for me or wasn't any different to anything else or whatever. I think Metallica was just the first band that I really connected with and was like, as for a lot of people, it was just like, holy shit. And then just to, to see their career as like retrospectively and then seeing what they're doing now, you can just kind of see where you can see the human element in it for me. Like you can see that where, where they didn't give a shit and where, uh, where they where they did give a shit and what they wanted to do and and you could just see i feel people people a lot of people say like they do a lot of things for money and we all work so i that's fair enough if you want to do it for money that's great yeah, but, i don't have a problem with anybody doing that bands yeah, or otherwise yeah. i mean what what do people expect people to do eat dirt yeah well exactly <laughs> but I just, I just, yeah and they've you know they've probably got plenty of it but like if you do something for 40 years you're bound to do something that's not perfect and a part of being an artist, no matter if you're Metallica, no matter if you're doing anything, you're going to have that shit time at some point and something's not going to hit with someone. So um, I just really, ad- I, I guess what I, what I really admire in that is like, it was, it, there's just so many different things that you can like and not like. It's great having that choice. I'm not a huge fan. Of, I, I don't really connect with Slayer, for example. Um, and- oh my God. Really? Well, we that, should talk about that because I oh, love, yeah. I mean, they had three albums that are all time. Really, you haven't gotten to South of Heaven and Seasons and it's um, not that yeah, it's, blood. Not, it's not that I don't enjoy it or I think it's shit. I just because I uh, it's un well, it's uneducated to begin with. It's 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 not knowing a full, uh, it's not f- knowing their full uh, back catalogue and, and not fully getting into it. But there's something about um, I like the the main the main song the hits or whatever the, the the main classics but there's something about it that just didn't connect in regards to the career side and 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 the different moves that they made i didn't really see that happen and that's oh they've but, only got three albums that i think you should listen to i'll be clear right. on that i'm the same look metallica got two obviously master of puppets and ride the lightning 
Slayer have got Seasons in the Abyss, uh, Rain in Blood, and South of Heaven. Right. Okay, there's plenty of people that disagree with me, but I think a lot of people would agree with me on this. Iron Maiden have got the most; they got five. Yeah, so right. all of the albums from Number of the Beast up to Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Um, and then Megadeth, Megadeth are just too patchy. I love Megadeth to death. I, I really do, but every album sounds a bit too different for me to sort of recommend one over the other, except to say Rust in Peace is probably the best thrash metal album ever. Okay. I'll say that. Um, Anthrax, God help you. I have no idea where you'd start with Anthrax because they're what so if I said Megadeth Apache Anthrax, I don't even know. I'm kind of agreeing with a lot of people that don't I, where they might not. They're not really a fair inclusion in the big four. I think maybe Testament, you know, should be in there over them. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think so. I mean, Testament were patchy too. You know, they lost a lot of members and and stuff, and they didn't weren't consistent. But I don't know. Anthrax just uh, thrashed by numbers at point at point. And I'm talking about some of their '80s stuff too. I really like the John Bush stuff, but it's not really thrash. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think it all it really all just comes down. It comes down to education of knowing. The full you got it. You really got to get yourself deep into a band to know what you know what hits with you and what doesn't. So, if we ever do this again, Andrew, I'll I'll make it a promise that I'll listen to those three Slayer albums. Look, I'll wrap things up, but before I let you go, can you tell people where they can go? And I always make a point of saying this with the uh, the Australian bands, where they can. What what can they do to support you the most? Is it buy merch, that sort of thing? So can you tell people where they can go to do that? Sure. Um, Primitiveaus.com is our website slash web store uh, where you can get T-shirts. We've got pre-orders for the new EP out August 12 uh, for T-shirts and CDs. So if by chance uh, the song interests you at all, please pick something up. Um, it, It goes a long way and it reinvests it reinvests the, the the month in in the rehearsal room. So anything we can we can sort of get back to support the the machine going. That's great. Um, in regards to our socials, obviously we really want to stay connected with everyone. So um, you know, as much as I was complaining about it before, I still do do love it and make and and people who share all of our stuff and 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 uh, make the effort to talk to us, I think is an amazing thing. So I really want to make sure. Um, that is that is known. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube are our are our big ones. That's all primitive AUS. Um, and obviously the Spotify's and the Apple Music's we they're there. I mean, look, Spotify especially is a it's essentially a resume on how you're going as a band. So to Absolutely. get the yeah, listeners very up, well put. Still still trying to figure out uh, you know, how to get on those how to how to get on a uh, on a playlist, but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just just check us out on on all the things that you know and all your your preferred streaming platforms, and we appreciate um, we appreciate the, the interest. Absolutely, sweet. No worries, mate. Been a and pleasure. I really appreciate your time, and this was a very fun chat. Um, and thank you for your interest for the band as well. Uh, it's it's you know it's, it's something we want to make sure we get out to as, as many people as possible. So and you're helping us with that. So um, I really I really appreciate your interest. No, my pleasure, mate. Great band, killer band, killer EP. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Cheers, Andrew. Thank you very much. Thanks, bro. Cheers. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in there. I reckon Tim and I could have talked for the rest of the night about Metallica and the seed might be planted for us to do something to collaborate a bit later on and to take our conversation ever further about the biggest heavy metal band of all time. Now... 
If you like that chat, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. And if you like listening, maybe you like reading because I've written a book. Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal or Hard Rock and Beyond. Click on the link in the banner on the website. You'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice where you can download a sample. And if you do complete the purchase, please let me know because I want to thank you personally. On that note, I've got some more information to share with you about the book. But before we go there, I will bid you a fond farewell now. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. It is a very good bye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew Mackay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all... I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Coal Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the... I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded and and he was into having his, his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself 
Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs> <laughs>